are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Part four, Jesus, friend of sinner. This is the nickname. Um, for those of you who need a little caught up, I'm going to do that just for a moment. But this is the nickname the religious leaders gave him, friend of sinners. They called him many things, but this is the one that stands out. And I believe they called him this because he put top priority on relationship and not religion. Someone say relationship. And he put priority on acceptance rather than performance. Someone say acceptance. And he valued friendship before behavior. He valued a conversation. Someone say conversation. So important. And they really didn't. They didn't value those things that Jesus valued and it didn't fit into their religious mold. And so they despised and they rejected and they mocked Jesus and they mocked his disciples and they mocked the people that Jesus chose to do life with. And he told them many things and we've discovered that through this series. But one of the things that sticks out is he said, I didn't come for the righteous, but I came for the sick of society. He came for the unhealthy or the sick people of society. He was bold in his stance, Jesus, as he was arguing constantly with the religious leaders of those days and using stories and illustrations to try to capture their lost thinking for lost humanity. They they saw no value in the hurting, the messed up, the misfits, the broken of society, and Jesus saw great value in them. One chapter stands out as we see the heart of Jesus for the lost. And that's in Luke chapter 15. We see his heart concerning the lost. And today I want to explore that chapter for a moment. But I have to start with a question for you today. Have you ever been lost? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I'm here to give the famous last words of a man before he gets lost. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. The famous last words of a man before he gets lost. Now, um, many of us have been lost. And um, we, back in the day, we used to print off directions. How many remember that? How many remember you go on the computer, you type in to, you type in from. And if you were really going like to Florida or something, like three or four pages. Front and back. Like every turn, every every. Every road you would get on, it was marked out, right? Google Maps or whatever, you would print it out, right? Now, some of you are old, old, old school, and you still got an atlas in your car. Who are you? I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at you. I love a good old atlas. Fires me up. <laughs> um, and now we got something new, and it's this lady named Siri. Now, I have to submit to you. I've had a Siri in my car for the last 18 18- 19 years. Her name is Tara. (laughs) She always tells me which direction to go. She always makes sure I know that I'm lost when I say I know where I'm going. Woman, I map this out. I know what street to turn on. I'm taking a shortcut. It's faster this way. Come on, guys, guys. 
we always think we got the shortcut. Nine times out of ten, we don't. Nine times out of ten, we lost. Our pride won't let us admit that we lost. And I have to admit to you, I have had more intense moments of conversation with my wife over being lost than probably anything else in life. The second thing is, where are we going to eat? What are you going to make for dinner? I don't want that. Well, you don't want that. What do we want? Let's fight over what we're going to eat. Isn't that great? Let's fight where we're going to go eat. Well, I don't want steak. I don't want this. And I don't want that. I don't, I'm not hungry for a burger. What are you hungry for then? Food? What kind? The kind you eat? <laughs> uh, but more and more arguments come when you're in the car and you're trying to discover where to go. Where are we? And so one of the worst things you can do to someone who is lost is blame them. <laughs> you, you talk about adding fuel to the fire. Like, like I already know I'm lost. Like, newsflash, I'm a male. I'm not going to admit it. Okay? I know I'm lost. So for you to say, you were supposed to get the directions before we get in the car. And because you didn't fall through, now we're lost. For you to say that just kind of adds fuel to the fire and it upsets me even more. Amen? And all the guys said? And all the honest guys said? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we know we're lost. What, what about being emotionally lost? Have you ever been there? Like no more tears will come out? Like you've cried so much, like I... I'm emotionally distraught. What, what about financially lost? Have you ever been there? Like into debt, up to your eyeball, don't know how to get out? Like where do I even start? Like it's overwhelming to even think about starting. You're stressed, not blessed. Come on now. What, what, what about spiritually lost? What about spiritually lost? Have you ever been there and, 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 and said things like, I'm not sure what I believe? Huh? I, I'm not really certain there is a God. Because if there's a good God, then why are all these bad things happening to me and people around me? And we find ourselves spiritually lost. We find ourselves far from God, out in the middle of a desert, spiritually speaking, empty, hollow, and dry. And I think about this when it comes to God, that how he deeply cares about his lost kids. And as a father, one of the worst feelings in the world is... For me to be out in public and lose one of my kids for a minute. Have you ever been there, dads? You had young kids? Um, we were in Hawaii one year, and um, my son was three years old, and we were in a shop, I don't know, probably looking at Hawaiian shirts. I was probably just going to go ahead and make that purchase, even though I wasn't real confident in the floral shirt. And uh, my wife and I were in there, and it was outdoor mall like kind of thing, and it was connected to other shops. And and my son was three, and and we're shopping, and then all of a sudden it hits us: Where's Isaiah? You ever had that moment, parents? Like, where's my dog? Where's my like? They're not in sight. Like, are they hiding in the? Are they playing this game hide and seek? And I'm like, Isaiah, come out now! Come out of the club! Come out of the Hawaiian wear now! There is no aloha here for you. Come out! And I'm like trying to find him, like I'm going through the, the racks of clothes, like Tommy Bahama, like, are you there? <laughs> I'm thinking he's going to come out and say, ah, dad, here I am. And so for about 60 seconds, but it felt like an eternity, I couldn't find him in that shop. And then 
Um, we, we, we go to the manager, hey, we lost our, our son. They make an announcement, blah, blah, blah. We're looking around there. Well, next door was a shop called Build-A-Bear. <laughs> Through the glass, he's seen the bear getting stuffed. He's seen the mechanism and all the fun stuff in Build-A-Bear. And so he ventured out of that store to Build-A-Bear, and there he was looking up at that bear getting stuff. Now, what was about three to four minutes seemed like an eternity to me. Because I'm thinking, my son's lost. I'm, I, I'm in frantic mode, friends. I, I'm like, I'm going to do whatever I got to do to find my son. It was the worst feeling in the world. One of the worst feelings ever. And here's what I know if we wouldn't have found my son. Here's what I do know 100%. If we wouldn't have found him, I would still be in Hawaii looking for my son. Yeah. Every email, every phone call, every text message I received, I would hope that it was his voice on the other end. I would pick my friends based on who's helping me find my lost son. I would make the surroundings and the environments, every function that I did, circle around people helping me find my lost son. Here's what I also know, that God is in a relentless pursuit to find his lost kids and he uses us, the church, to help him find his lost kids. And I can imagine God the Father being like I was that day, saying, if I wouldn't have found my son, I would go to extreme measures to find my son. I would do anything and everything short of sin to find my son. And I think about our heavenly father, how he sits in heaven saying, I want to find my lost kids. They're out there. They're lost. They're lost. And they need to come back home to their father's house. That's what I want to talk to you about today. As we wrap up this series, because the reality is lost people matter to God. And if they matter to God, they matter to us. It's our fourth core value here at Fuel Church. We believe lost people matter to God. Therefore, they matter to us. Someone say to us. Jesus gave his own mission statement. And we went over that. He said, I come to seek and to save those who are lost. That was his mission. God said, I I care so much about the lost that I'm going to do something to help find them. I'm going to do something to help them recalculate their life when they make a wrong turn. And John 3.16 says, God said, here's the remedy. I love the world so much that I'm going to send my only son to a cross to die a cruel death so that the lost can now be found. Someone say found. God said, you're lost, you're out in the middle of nowhere, but if you just believe, I'll recalculate your life. I want to take a moment and take a praise break and thank God that he recalculated my life when I was lost and I didn't know where to go to. Oh, come on now. I didn't know where to turn, but God found me out in the middle of nowhere. Maybe he didn't find you, but he found me. When I was lost, I didn't know which direction to turn. People say, oh, I found God. No, you didn't find God. You didn't know where to look. God found you when you were addicted. God found you when you were messed up. God found you when you were lost. And he recalculated your life. Thank God for that. Oh, I feel like preaching today. Got you a little more excited. You were deader than a door there earlier. Luke 15, 
we find Jesus using three parables within Luke 15 that really describe his heart for the lost. And I want to read a portion of the scriptures, and then we're going to go through each parable, the three parables here in Luke chapter 15. But this is Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through 7. It says this. This starts out, this conversation Jesus is having with the Pharisees. They had just gotten in his face and went off because he was hanging with tax collectors, notorious sinners, and they weren't happy. And so Jesus, he, 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 he kind of goes off back to him. And, he's, and it says this, by this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus listening intently. The Pharisees, religion scholars, were not pleased, not pleased at all. They growled. You notice religious people growl a lot? If you're sitting by one, just look forward. And this trigger, um, they growled. He takes sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. Jesus starts to talk right here. And he gives three different parables about three lost things. And he says, suppose you had a had hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you can be sure you would put, you, you would put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you come home, You would call your friends and your neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I've found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in need of no rescue. Someone say reckless love. That's the reckless love of God right there. That Jesus will pursue the one. That Jesus is intently going after the one. And we see that Jesus goes on to tell three other stories. So you have the lost sheep. Someone say the lost sheep. Then you have the lost coin. Someone say the lost coin. Then you have the lost son. Someone say the lost son. And it was as if, I'll get it out. Jesus was trying to just drive this point home. In three different stories, three different scenarios, I need you guys to get this. Because obviously you're not getting the reason that we're here, the reason that I came from heaven down to earth. It's all about the loss. And there's some things we can pull from these three stories that I believe could help us today. And there's some things that God illustrates to you and I that we can kind of see what the mind of God is when it comes to the lost. Someone say the lost. So the first thing is the lost are like lost sheep. Someone say sheep. The title of my message is a sheep, a coin, and a son. A sheep, a coin, and a son. A sheep, a coin, and a son. Lost people are like lost sheep, and we see in the text a few things about this parable is, number one, they become a priority over all things. The lost sheep says he will leave the 99 that are doing good, that are found, right? They're good. He'll leave those 99. He'll go after. He puts priority on the lost. He puts priority on the lost. And may we not get so caught up in our personal preferences that we think church is all about us and our needs being met. 
And may we continue to put a priority on the loss. May we realize the seat we're sitting in. May we realize that if I switch to the 1245, I'm putting priority on the lost. I'm making room for the lost. Come on, somebody. Because church exists for those who are not here yet. That's why we're here. And so they put priority over everything. Number two thing we find in this parable is their rescue requires perseverance. Their rescue requires perseverance. The one lost sheep required perseverance. The one lost sheep required that shepherd not stopping until he found that one lost sheep. 99 are already found. Let me go find the one. Let me endure treacherous mountain terrain to find the one who's wandered off. Let me possibly fight off some wolves to get the one back. Let me go find the one, although maybe injured from an attack. Let me persevere and let me put the one. The Bible says he puts the one on his shoulders and carries the one back to the 99. Oh, I love that picture. I love that picture because I thank God that he put me on his shoulders when I was broken, when I was injured, when I was lost, and he carried me back to the sheepfold. He carried me back. May we never be the 99 that look at the one who's wounded, that look at the one who's hurt, and look down our religious nose and say, ah, they shouldn't have wandered off. Shouldn't have done that. And that wouldn't have happened. You wouldn't have got hurt. You wouldn't have fell into that if you wouldn't have wandered off from the sheepfold. May we be the one that welcomes the one back. May we be the one that celebrates the one that comes back. Because our third point here is this. When the one sheep comes back, we find them rejoicing over the one. Over the one. The one. The one. The one. Heaven rejoices over the one. The one. You see, you thought heaven was just more impressed with maybe the 15, the 20 that come to Christ here every single weekend. But heaven's impressed with the one coworker that you lead to Christ. It's just as important. And so the Bible says that heaven throws a party. And if heaven throws a party, we gonna party. We gonna party over the one. That's the lost sheep. Let's go to the lost coin. Let's look. Lost people are like a lost piece of silver. Like a lost coin. And the story goes on to say that there's this woman who has 10 coins. Someone say 10 coins. I'm preferencing this for time's sake because they told me I got to cut my messages down now that we have three experiences. Aren't they so mean to me? And so this woman has 10 coins and the Bible says she loses one. Someone say one. And she lost it in her house. And the Bible says that she begins to try to find this one last coin. And three things happen in the story. Number one, it says she takes a lamp and she begins to light up all the corners of her house. Trying to find this one coin. Why? Because it takes light to find the lost coins. It takes light. It takes light. How bright is your light shining today? Like, like, what does that look like for you? Um, I'm reminded that being a light sometimes is less about what you say and more about who you are. So you can walk into your work, you can walk into the assembly line, wherever you go, you can walk, walk into your hospital and people can either see the light turned on or see the light turned off. 
just by your walk, not your talk. What's that look like? When you come walking down the hallway, what do they think in their mind and not say with their mouth? What is their impression of you? Are you shining in the darkness around you? Is your conversation bringing light to the hopeless darkness of others? Are you uplifting? Are you encouraging others even when you're going through a storm? One thing I've learned in this life, when I am in the middle of the storm, I'm looking for somebody else to encourage. Why? It brings perspective to my mind. So when I'm fighting hell and I'm going through battles, I'm calling up people. I'm texting. Why? Because I get encouraged to hear that someone else is going through something. And when I encourage others, it comes back to me. It's biblical. Those who refresh others, they themselves will be refreshed. Huh? So, so, so it takes a light. It takes a light. Second thing, it takes cleaning. The Bible says she swept every corner to find the one. What areas of your house need swept? What, what, what is the stumbling block in your life right now that you know you shouldn't be watching, shouldn't be reading, shouldn't, what, what is it? Shouldn't be partaking. You know it's not helping your walk with God, but you just can't seem to give it up. What, what is it? Sweep your house. Sweep your house. Why? Because lost people are looking for somebody that they can trust, somebody who is not perfect, but somebody who is willing to change, right? This thing isn't about perfection. It's about changing from glory to glory, from faith to faith, the Bible says. So it takes cleaning. What, what, is, what is something in your life that could be a stumbling block from some, for someone else coming to Christ? What is it? What is it? Maybe your bad attitude at work. Maybe you're always grumpy on Monday because it's Monday. And this is my attitude every Monday. Live with it. Don't like it? Get a new job. Maybe that's how they see you and that's a stumbling block for somebody. Maybe you need to clean that attitude up. The Bible says she cleaned every corner of her house just to find the one lost coin. Just think about, just think about, there's, there's lost coins that you work with. Think about it. Think about it. There's lost coins. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're lost. Let, let me ask you this. Just because the coin is lost, does it diminish the value of the coin, Wes? It, 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 if there's a $100 bill somewhere in this auditorium, and I say, hey, Wes, there's a $100 bill somewhere around here. Do you say, hey, it's lost. I, it ain't worth no 100 What do you say? What are you going to do? You're going to find it. He's going to take his wife out for dinner. Come on, somebody. <laughs> So just because they're lost, it does not diminish the value of the lost coin. They're still valuable. This is good preaching today. This is good preaching today. I might join the podcast. It doesn't diminish the value. We walk around lost coins every day, not saying a word, not giving a smile, not giving a word of encouragement. I'm not saying you've got to get on a soapbox and preach the whole gospel. How about a smile? How about we start there? How about a prayer? You know hardly anyone will turn down a prayer nowadays. I kid you not, even atheists will take prayers now. Because the world's crazy right now. Hey, can I pray with you? Yeah, you can pray with me. Pray, pray for me. Everybody will accept prayer. So it takes a cleaning. Number three, it takes diligence, diligence to find them. The Bible says she seek diligently until she found it. Question, are you diligent to keep showing God's love and hope 
to others who are lost, like this lost coin? Are you, are you diligent? Are you saying, I'm not going to give up? Are, are, are you believing the word that says one plants, one waters, but God brings the increase? Are, are you saying, hey, man, I can water somebody's life right now. I can water a lost coin. I can come along and I can invite even though they turn me down 50 times, 100 times, even though they turn me down three years in a row, I can still plant, praying that one will water and praying that God will ultimately bring the increase. Come on, somebody. Talking about the lost. Talking about the lost. Our job is to love them diligently. Let's just love people and let God do the changing. Let's just love people and let God do the changing. Well, they need to get this right. Well, there's a whole lot of things in your life we need to get right too. Let the Holy Spirit do his work, and let's just love people. Let's just love people. I just think we just love people, and let the Holy Spirit do the convicting. You're not the Holy Spirit. See, we try to be the Holy Spirit for people. That's not your job. That's not your job. Your job is to love people. And let me submit this. People are not projects. People are not projects, so they don't have a start and end date. They are eternal beings, so we don't stop loving them. Just because they don't change in the time frame we think they should have changed. Oh, you've been going to church a year and you're still struggling with that? People are not projects. They don't have a start and end date. See, see, we, we categorize them and we, we like our list and that's maybe what we do at job. And so then we put people as on a list and they're our project. And if they don't change, then we fail. No, 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 no. No, no, no. They are not projects. We keep the love of God flowing because the love of God will change them just like it changed you and I. Come on, somebody. The love of God never fails. Love of God never fails. The Bible says prophecies will fail. Come on now. The Bible says your church will fail you at some times. Come on now. The Bible says all these things will fail, but love will endure forever. It will never quit, never give up. It will never run out on the lost coins that are all around you. Number three, talking about the lost son. So we got a lost sheep, we got a lost coin, then we got a lost son. A lost son. Jesus spent more time on this parable than the other two. And I think it's very fitting because few things about lost sons or prodigal sons. And maybe you're a prodigal. And what I mean by that is maybe you were once serving God, but you fell away for whatever reason. Maybe you have kids or people you know who used to be in church and involved in serving and, and love God, but something happened. Life turned on them. They got hurt in church maybe and stuff happened. And now they're those prodigal sons and daughters out there. and They, they don't want anything to do with God. Jesus spent more time on this. I think it's fitting for us. And the first thing we see about the lost son, the lost sons and daughters is this. They do foolish things. They do foolish things. They do foolish things. The Bible says that the son wanted his inheritance. He goes to the father. The father was wealthy. The son said, give me everything. And the Bible says he took the money and he went out and he spent it. He went out and he partied. He went out got prostitutes. The Bible says that he found himself empty, all the money gone, eating a meal out of a pig pen with the pigs. Feeling the lowest he's ever felt in his life, he wasted his inheritance. He wasted it. And may I tell each and every one of you, newsflash, we've all done some foolish things in our life. If you haven't done any foolish things, please come to the front of the class because you can now lead the session. 
We've all done some foolish things, and sometimes we're great lawyers for our sins and great judges for other people's sins. Sometimes we want to slam the gavel on everyone else, but then we want to defend our actions and our sins, don't we? Hmm. It's not our job to judge, it's our job to love. Correction comes from God's word and through the context of relationships. We talked about that last week. You need to find some people in your life, two to three people that you trust, that in the context of relationship can keep you accountable, that can tell you, hey, your stuff stinks right now. Hey, you got something in your teeth right now. The honest people that can be real with you. Hey, man, that attitude wasn't good you had at church. Hey, how are you doing in this area? Some people can be real with you. That's in the context of relationship. Not in the context of church. Not in the context of church. And for too long, we've done it in the context of church. And people have ran from the church because of it. Hmm? So, so they do foolish things. Number two, we see about the lost son. They need compassion. They need compassion when they want to come back home. He, he's sitting there eating with the pigs. Pig food. And he has this idea. If I just go back home to my father, maybe, just maybe he'll make me a hired servant. I don't, I don't need to have a position. I, I, I don't need to be over people, but maybe I'll just be a servant. And the Bible says that he begins to go on his journey back home. And I love this about this story. I love this. Because when the father seen him, the father seen him afar off, the Bible says. So it tells me one thing and one thing only. The father had been waiting on the porch for that day that the lost son would come home. And he's seen him afar off. And the father didn't say, hey, why'd you leave me? You ain't worth nothing. You ruined our family name. You'll never amount to it. You'll be just like so-and-so. The father had compassion on him. Why? Because the father had been working longer on his welcome home speech than the son had been working on his I'm sorry speech. The father said, welcome home, son. Welcome home. And his welcome home speech was perfected. He was waiting for that day. He was looking. Oh, not today. That's okay. I'm coming back the next day. Where's my son? He's coming home. Let me change this in the welcome home speech. Yep. Let me tell him I still love him. Let me tell him he still matters. Let me tell him he still has value. Let me let him know that no matter what he's done with my money, he's still my son. Let me let him know that his condition does not change his position as my son, as my son. My God, I'm getting fired up. Because the enemy will put guilt and shame on us thinking that our position has changed. But I got good news, your your condition can't change your position. You're still a son, a daughter of the Most High God. No matter how far you've gone, no matter what you've done, God has compassion upon you. I love this because God sees the best and the worst of us, knows the worst about the best of us, and loves us all without condition or exception. That's our God. I close with this. We can conclude three, sto- three things about these three stories on how God deals with his lost kids. Number one, something of great value has gone missing. 
Something of great value has gone missing. In the three stories, the sheep went missing, the coin went missing, the sun went missing. And God said, whenever things are lost, it matters to me. But it matters to me. His point that he was driving home to the Pharisees and Sadducees who labeled him Jesus, friend of sinners, was this. Lost people matter to me. First thing. Second thing is that what was missing was so important that it warranted an all-out search. That what was missing warranted an all-out search. All three stories. The sheep, the coin, the sun. We got to find it. We got to find it. God is out looking, searching for his lost kids. Number three we find in these three stories is this. That what was found always brings rejoicing. Always brings rejoicing. Why do we celebrate the numbers of people coming to Christ? Because heaven celebrates it. As long as heaven's celebrating it, we're going to celebrate it. We're going to rejoice when God's lost kids come home. Stand with me today. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, And the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. In Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you to find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.